Hallelujah. Alrighty, well, let's see today where we want to go. Praise God. Are you all ready today? I said, are you ready? Come on, let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the word of the Lord. I ask God that you would anoint me now to minister, to bring forth as their pastor, as their teacher. Lord, at a level the world is not familiar with. Lord, for your glory and your honor, let your people receive today absolutely everything that the Spirit of the Lord has for them. I thank you, Father, today as they receive, they will be set free. I thank you today, Lord, that the anointing will be here to destroy every yoke and to lift every burden from their life. We give you the praise and we honor you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I tell you what, let's open our Bible. We're going to do communion here in just a moment. I want to share a few things with you. Um, why don't you open up, instead of our usual text, let's go, let me let you open up to Luke chapter 4. And um, let me just share a couple things here and then we'll get right there. We are teaching on this subject of living or walking in the supernatural. And I'm entitling today's message, One Thing is Needful. One Thing is Needful. And we are in a season of the supernatural. We are in a time for the church to believe for and operate in the supernatural. And we've been teaching on this for some time now. And when I say supernatural, I'm not talking about an event but I'm talking about an actual lifestyle, living and operating in the supernatural. How many know the rapture of the church, that's a supernatural event. The day of Pentecost was a supernatural event. But the Bible says that in the last days He will pour out of His Spirit upon all flesh. Now that's a supernatural happening that's still going on. Because God has not retracted the Holy Spirit. Can somebody say amen? Alright. So, the church, the people of God, those who are born of the Spirit from above, are the ones that are qualified and chosen to walk in this dimension that we're talking about. The world cannot receive this because you have to be born again. Your spirit has to be alive in God in order to see, understand, and live and walk in this supernatural. And Jesus came to reintroduce the kingdom of God and to bring the earth back into the hands of its rightful owner. In fact, put up the scripture, you don't have to turn it in Romans 4.13 because... The Bible teaches us, I know people, sometimes they don't understand this or they don't even like to think down this road, but the Bible says that we have been given the world for an inheritance. Can you put up Romans chapter 4? Wake up back there. There you go. Got to stay up with me. For the promise that we should be what? Heirs of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law or through religion or the keeping of law, but through the righteousness of faith. Did you see that? So, the world is part of our inheritance. And God has 
made a way through His grace for us to receive our inheritance. And so this is what we've been teaching. We have to understand that you and I have been given something from God. We have been given an inheritance. Now, we have to learn how to lay hold, or if you will, I don't like to use that word because people misunderstand. We have to claim that inheritance because if we don't, then if we don't learn how to receive our inheritance, then we won't operate and receive God's best for our life. Now, the way that we do this is by faith. Say by faith. Okay? So, we have to look at our inheritance and see what God gives us. It's not just about stuff. It's not just about material things. But He says He has given us all spiritual blessings. Come on, somebody. He has given these things. And the Bible says in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Would you just run that one up there right quick? That Christ has redeemed us from, what? The curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree. And then would you put verse 14, please? It says that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, that's us, through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit The promises that are in the Word of God that are yes and amen to us who believe through what? Through faith. So, how does faith come? By hearing and hearing the Word of the Lord. And, you know, if we're going to receive our inheritance, we're going to have to receive it by faith. But it's amazing to me how many people do not want to learn and study and grow in faith when that is the key for you receiving that everything that God has for your life. Some people just kind of get content with receiving salvation. That's great. How many know salvation is the greatest thing that can happen to you? But you know what? We're still in this world, even though we're not of it no longer. We're still in this thing. And God wants us to enjoy not just life, but live a long life. To live satisfied in life. Are y'all listening this morning? So, as, as a matter of fact, you have been designed to live by faith. Now, I know people, you know, they, they, they just, for some reason, they don't really like to hear a lot about faith. But faith is the only way that you and I can please God. If it's the only way that we can please God, we better know something about it. And if we're not operating or we're not functioning, now listen to this, if we're not functioning by faith, then we're malfunctioning. Because faith is the way we live. We live by faith. So in this church, you hear a lot about faith. Now, I didn't say it's necessarily the most important subject in the Bible. I said it is necessary for us to receive what God said that is ours. Alright, so what's happening? The enemy knows that you must receive everything that God has for you by faith. So what does the enemy do? The enemy tries his best to take faith from you. 
to keep your faith weak, to keep you at a level where you cannot walk in the supernatural because the supernatural, in order for it to operate in your life, has to operate through and by faith. That's why the Apostle Paul told Timothy, it is a good fight of faith because how are we going to overcome the world? We're going to overcome it by faith. This is the victory, 1 John 5, 4 says, that overcometh the world, even our faith. So we have to allow faith to be developed in our life, to grow. And uh, it is the safest place to be is in the will of God and in the Spirit. Luke chapter 4, did you find that? Let's read here. The, and we're still talking about walking in the supernatural now. Okay, we're still we're still talking about living in the dimension and uh, where we learn how to receive God's best. Now, there is such thing as the tempter. The devil has a name, many names. One of those names in Matthew chapter four, for example, tells us that he is a tempter. And what he does is he comes to tempt us to get us to draw back from our faith. Now, this is what happened. Look at this in Luke chapter 4. Let me just read verse 5 and 6 for you. It says, And the devil taking him up on a high mountain, this is when Jesus was being tempted in that wilderness experience, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, now look at this, because the devil will talk to you too. All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will give it, if thou therefore will what? Worship me, and shall be thine. All of this will I give you, if you will just worship me. Me. Now, let me, let me just reiterate something here. This had to be a temptation. It had to be a temptation even to Jesus or God wouldn't have put it in the Word. So, here's what I'm saying to you. The enemy was trying to get Jesus to draw back from faith. And he was trying to get him to receive something without faith. Now, let me just... Stop, because this is where a lot of people are at, sitting up here in churches, and they feed on a lot of things. You can't sit back and just watch TV all through the week and eat popcorn, and then resist the devil and he will flee. Because your faith is like a muscle. And how many know if you don't exercise that muscle, that muscle will become weakened? And all of a sudden, the devil will show up. He'll put something on your front door or put something on your body and there'll be no strength there to resist him and you're going to have to call somebody else to help you get the devil off your back. And God wants you to rise up in that strength and in the power of the Lord and His might and by faith resist the devil. And the principle is that he has to flee. Okay? But here's what I'm trying to say to you. People want to be able 
to do something or get somewhere without using faith. Now that is a dangerous place to live because you and I have been designed to operate and to live in faith. In fact, faith is what causes us to reach our destinies. We cannot reach our destinies without living and operating and walking in faith because our destiny is faith-defined. And when you try to get somewhere or do something without faith, you're in a dangerous place. Because the path of less resistance is the way that most people go. You know, for example, when I say we're going to receive an offering and we're going to, you know, do this project or we're going to do VBS and expenses or, you know, missions or whatever. Listen, when we say these things, it's not to get your money. It's to get you to use faith. You didn't hear what I just said. It's to get you to use your faith in God because what happens is is that God must be our only source. When you begin to store up your wealth or your money, you begin to trust in what you've stored up. Y'all want the truth this morning, or you just want to hear another sermon? How many of you want the truth? Okay, all right. (laughs) You're... You're asking for trouble when you don't learn to live by faith and learn to trust God in everything that you do. Because that is the will of God and it is the... The Lord showed me a long time ago, the safest place to be in life is in the will of God in the Spirit. Because God is calling us to a destiny. God is calling us and giving us a purpose in this life. And everyone in here is unique in in that way that we should go to reach that destiny and fulfill the purpose and the plan of God, not only for our lives, but to advance the kingdom of God. You have been born again. You have been set here for a time such as this. That's why the world and the earth is in travail because it's in the hands of the wrong ownership. And Jesus came to reintroduce. Jesus redeemed so that we can reclaim. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want to reclaim Everything that Jesus paid the price for on the cross of Calvary so that I could have uh, the blessing of God upon my life. (laughs) And, And let me just tell you this. Don't ever try to run from your faith. You're going to make a mistake when you try to run from faith. You know, when David, and we use this example, when David saw Goliath harassing all the army of Israel, He went to Saul and said, Saul, let me have a shot at this giant. Who is he that would defile the armies of the living God? And remember, David said, hey, let me me show you something. Because he said, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. And he said, 
I can kill this uncircumcised Philistine too. Remember that? And, and, and listen to this part, because here's, here's, here was David's thinking. David went to Goliath. Goliath began to converse back and forth. Remember, Goliath said, I'm going to kill you. Who are you, little kid, coming out here to fight me? And David said, you come at me with a sword and with a stake and with a knife and so on and so forth. But he said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he said, this day I will kill you. And this day, now listen, how many know he's slain Goliath? Now if he just stopped there, that would be good. But he didn't stop there. Not only did he slay Goliath... But he got right up on top of his chest, took his sword, and cut his head off. And held it up for a trophy. Because, listen, that is symbolic. It symbolizes something. Goliath represented the strong man. And how many know, you have got to reach and take down the strong man. You've got to take the head of the strong man off. Or if you don't, he will keep sending his demons to harass you. If we don't learn how to cut the head off, then the ones that they get their power, the ones that they get their authority through, will still keep coming at you. He'll send Ray. Now, I'm not talking to you have demons. He'll send Vasilio. He'll send, and that, you know, he'll send little demons until, listen to this, until you take the head off the strong man. I said we are here to expose the strong man because what happened? What happened when David killed Goliath? The Philistines ran. Are y'all here? So, what am I saying? I'm saying that when you kill the strong man, when you take his head off, then all the other demons have to flee along with him. Because that's where he, they get their power from. That's where they get their authority from. Are you with me? Alright. So, we have been uh, looking at this thing. What do we do to walk and to live in the supernatural? The first thing we said is that it takes faith. And then we started down this other path here. Uh, it takes also righteousness. Now, I'm going to talk about that probably a little bit later on. Not today, but, but, you know, I want to get all the juice out of this I can because I want you to really understand what we're talking about because most, most people sitting up in church, they have no idea of what we're teaching. I'm going to tell you, the devil doesn't want you to get this in your understanding. The devil does not want you to be able to use these these principles that we're talking about here, these things that we're teaching so that you can walk in the supernatural realm of God so that you can destroy the strong man, take his head off, resist the devil, and let him flee. So we said there's a key here. Now, there's a key in order to walk in the supernatural. And that key is to learn identity, to identify who you are, whose you are. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The devil will come to make you think that you're so unworthy. 
that you're so unrighteous, that you're so no good, that you get over into condemnation. And when you get under condemnation, it causes you to withdraw or to run from your faith. Faith never runs from a battle. Faith runs to God in the midst of the battle, knowing that the end is already settled from the beginning. I'm preaching pretty good to you. Now, I want to continue with something we left off. Go with me back over to Roman, no, excuse me, Genesis chapter 47. So we said this, that faith is necessary for the supernatural, and, now listen to this as you're turning, and that you stay in faith. It's important that your faith grows, your faith becomes strong, but it's important that you stay in faith in the midst of your trial. In the midst of the temptation or whatever's coming at you in life. Because, folks, this is not a nine-inning game. Hey, even in baseball, they play nine innings, but if they don't have a winner, they keep playing. So, we keep on playing until we win. Because we win. I said, we win because we don't quit playing. Are you here? Sooner or later, the devil has to turn loose. Sooner or later, the devil, after doing all that he knows to do, we stand. We stand, therefore, in faith. Amen? And having done all to stand, we never quit standing in faith. Now, that's important that you get that in your understanding. Okay? Now, here's uh, Genesis chapter 47. Let me just go back, because this, this is really where we've left off, and I, and I get stuck here, but I, I want to keep reiterating some things to you, because this is when Jacob was brought down to Egypt, and uh, how many, uh, you know, God had a plan of redemption in the earth. Now, Joseph was in high command in this place called Egypt. In fact, I wrote it down like this. He said, uh, uh, remember Joseph was a dreamer? And Joseph had some big dreams. And uh, he became an international figure in a tribal setting. In other words... He was a fish that was too big for his tank. Do you know, do you know they have a species of, of goldfish that if you put them in a small bowl, you buy them, they're about an inch long, little tropical goldfish. And if you put that, if you, if you put that goldfish, same goldfish, if you put it in a bigger bowl, he'll grow to about two or three inches. Are y'all with me this morning? Y'all asleep? We need to turn the lights on so you can wake up. Come on, somebody! I said, did you know when you put that same goldfish in a bigger bowl, he'll grow? And if you put that fish out in the the wild, or you put him in an environment where it's unlimited, that little one-inch goldfish that will stay that way all his life in that little bowl will grow to more than two feet in size. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying that a lot of people are that way. That they want to think small. God has not created you and I to think small. 
God said, I want to do exceedingly great things beyond what you can think. Even what you can ask. So God is a big God. God is a great God. And we have to climb up into that level to be able to use the mind of Christ that He's given us because you can't do big things for God in a small bowl. And you want to stay small and God has not designed you to stay small. You have a uniqueness about you. Do you understand that the, the land of Canaan represented God's promised land? You know that. From, I mean, if you ever went to Sunday school, you know that Canaan was the promised land. It represented God's best. It represented what God had in store as they wandered around in, in the wilderness for those 40 years. Are you here this morning? And if you study giants and the giants that were descendants from the Canaanites, you'll find out that those giants slept in big beds. In fact, this is Bible, folks. You know how big the bed was? The bed was something like 14 foot to, some say, up to 18 feet in length. Six foot across was the bed that... This giant slip in. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That's some pretty big guys. Are you here? I'm saying God had something for them because God said, I'm taking you into a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And when the spies came back, what did they bring? They brought back grapes the size of what? Grapefruit. Are you here? And the bed that those giants slept in were not little army cots. He said, I'm going to take you into a land to possess. Now, the first thing they said is, but God, it's occupied. How many know when God says that you're going in to possess the land, it doesn't matter who's sitting in it. It doesn't matter what's going on in it. If God said you're going in and I'm going to give that to you, how many know God is going to give it to you? I'm just trying to illustrate something to you. When you stop and think about I got I got stuck on that how, how, how big the bed was. That's a big dude. You're going in as a little short Israelite, and all of a sudden he said, you're going to dwell and live in houses you didn't build. Can you imagine somebody going in there and laying down in that bed? That big old bed is like, my goodness gracious, who was this bed built for? It was built for a child of God. It was built for somebody that understands the greatness and the largest and the bigness of their God. I get to thinking about there is no houses in heaven. It's mansions, folks. They couldn't walk through little six foot eight doors. I'm talking about somebody that's 15, 16 foot tall. I got thinking about that. Can you imagine even their potties? Everything was big. Are you here? So we have to expand our thinking to think big and not stay just 
a goldfish in a little old bowl because our environment that has been created for us is so small. It's time for us to jump out of the water, folks. It's time for us to understand that God has put genius in you. He didn't make any spiritual defects. You are a child of God. You're created in the image and the likeness of God. Now, I don't listen. I know people don't like to hear these things, but I'm going to tell you something. Somebody needs to be bold enough to stand up and speak them. You don't have a wimp for a pastor. Now, there's people. Now, let, no, let me tell you something. There's people that don't like me. Now, I don't know why they don't like me. I never did anything to them. I'm trying to help them. Because the devil knows, and really not their fault, because the devil knows if they hang in here long enough, eventually they're going to get set free. Eventually you're going to get the truth, and the truth is going to make you free. Amen? But it's not going to come when you cower down or be a wimp when you're trying to minister the grace of God and what God says, because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Unless our faith is strong, then we're going to get whipped by the devil. And the reason you don't have no wimpy pastor is because I don't have a Jezebel. Because you can't have an Ahab without a Jezebel. Now every once in a while, Jezebel will try to rear you up and try to tell you what to do. Now here's how you determine. Remember, how did I get off on this? Listen, listen, listen. Let me just say this and we'll get back. We've got to get back. Listen, listen, listen. This is how you know because faith does not allow itself to be manipulated by anybody. And the way you know it's the devil manipulating you is when they come to you, well, brother, uh, pastor, uh, well, God told them, uh, 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 and you tell them, no, I, I don't think so. I, I then they get mad. See, if they get mad, you know that wasn't inspired by God. They were trying to manipulate you. They were trying to control you. Are you here? So faith rises up and understands that they are unique in God. You know, really, I've learned that the only one that I am responsible... Look, I love everybody. I love everybody that comes in this place. I really do. But I have an audience of one that I'm trying to please. I said, I have an audience of one. You know who it is? His name is Jesus. You know who I'll give an account to? His name is Jesus. You know who you'll give account to? His name is Jesus. Now look, everybody knows that we all miss it sometimes. Somebody said, well, why don't you preach the whole counsel of God? Well, first of all, I don't know the whole counsel of God. I just preach what God gives me to preach. I just say what the Father tells me to say. I just do what the Father tells me to do. Are you here? So, we have to, we have to make sure that... Whatever people say or try to do is just a tactic of the enemy to draw you away from faith. To get you back down to a low level. Listen, folks, we would not have what we have in here. We would not be doing what we do in here if we allowed people to bring us back down to a low level. Are you here? Because they want to manipulate and keep you controlled and keep you in a small aquarium. But you've been destined for the ocean. 
I said your boundaries are unlimited in God. Are you here? Because faith does not have any limits. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. Now, back to Genesis. <laughs> Get off on this. Woo, glory to God. Now, here's where Joseph... Now, let me show you this one more time because we're not getting anywhere fast. Joseph is now in position to feed his family. To, to bring that place, being in that place of God and being now able to bring the blessing of God upon his household. It says, and Pharaoh, I'm in Genesis 47, verse 5, and Pharaoh spoke unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee, and the land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land, make thy father and thy brethren to dwell in the land of Goshen. Let them dwell. And if thou knowest any men of activity among them, then make them ruler over my cattle. Now look at this. And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed him. The blessing was on Jacob. But look at this. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, this is, this is where we get to every time, and we hadn't got any further. And Jacob said to him, How old? Art thou? Now, when somebody asks you that question, generally their motives are not real pure. You go to apply for a job in the corporate world, they'll use your age against you. Because they'll say either you're too old or you're too young. Sometimes people, you know, try to you know, distort the way they come at you to ask questions. Because really when they say, how old are you? You know, they're getting at something. They really don't care how old you are. They're trying to use something or something to their advantage and to you a disadvantage. You know, they'll, they might come and say, uh, how many children do you have? Well, how old is your oldest one? They're, they're trying to figure it out, see. Sometimes... People say, how long have you been married? I said, well, we've been married a long time. We started at 12. And it, you know, it throws them off, okay? Because you know where they're coming from and what they're trying to get to. Are you here? So he said, um, and, and he said this, and he gets into the next verse, and he brings us something here that you need to see. He said, And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my pilgrimage are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have the days of the years of my life been, and have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. Now, you know, this is my opinion, but I base it upon the Word of God here. I believe that Jacob was ashamed of telling Pharaoh how old he was. Because he looked old. He looked miserable. You ever seen anybody look old and miserable? Y'all ought to come up here. No, I'm just kidding. He 
He was ashamed, and, and faith should never be ashamed. I said faith should never be ashamed. Because somebody is trying to push you down so they can climb up somewhere else. Jacob was ashamed because he knew his daddy Isaac had lived to be 160. His grandfather Abraham had lived to be 175. And here he was, just 130 and about to die. And looked old and miserable. And so I took you back and showed you in Genesis chapter 37. Let me, let me, let me, let's go back here and just look at this. Are you all okay? Okay. In Genesis chapter 37, we'll see that Joseph was mistreated by his brothers. And we'll also see an insight here as to why Jacob looked old before his time and miserable. He said this in verse 31, And they took Joseph's coat. This is talking about the brothers. Remember, they were envious. They were jealous of Joseph because he was a big dreamer. He had big dreams because he got a glimpse into the plan and the purpose of God. Now look at this. And they killed the kid of the goats and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors and they brought it unto their father and said, This have we found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or not. And he knew it. He knew the coat because he made it and gave it to him. And said, It's my son's coat. An evil beast has devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. Now, now let me just stop there. And ask you something. How did Jacob know that? How did Jacob know that Joseph had been devoured by that animal and rent into pieces? Hmm? Anybody going to answer? How, how did he know? Who told him that? Who told him that? Now you better answer it right. God didn't tell him that. Even the brothers didn't tell him that. Where did he get that from? He based it on the evidence that he saw. He based it upon the natural things that he saw. And I'm sure the enemy was speaking to his conscience awareness or his mind because how many know we always have a tendency, seems like, to think the worst. Oh, man. Oh. But you see, how did he know? How did he know that his son was lost? Now, let me ask you another question. Did he leave his faith? Nod your head. He left his faith because... Faith does not look at the natural evidence. It looks at what God said. How does faith come? Comes by hearing and what? Hearing the Word of God. Jacob did not go back 
to the covenant. <laughs> Can you put Romans chapter 3? Don't turn there because I want you to see the Romans chapter 3, 3 and 4 because this is where I'm going to. Look, look at this. For what? Can you get that up there right quick? There it is. For what if some did not believe? Remember? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? And then he answers it in the next verse. Put up verse 4. God forbid. Yea, what? Let God be true and every man a liar as it is written. See, the evidence pointed to something from the natural that looked like Joseph was lost. That he had died and been torn apart by those wild animals. But the Word of God said something different. Now go with me to uh, Genesis chapter 17 and let's look at this. Uh, and so Jacob let go of his faith. And whenever you let go of your faith, you're going to be one miserable dude. Come on, somebody. And you'll get old before your time and you're not going to walk in the inheritance that God has for your life. Because, see, some people draw back when you start talking about inheritance and think again you're talking about just material blessings. How I many you know healing is an inheritance? God's destiny for you is that you live and walk in divine health. Are you here? God's destiny for you is to live in that peace and not be tormented like the world is tormented. Okay, so we're talking about the whole gamut here of the inheritance of all spiritual blessings in, in godliness and the things in this life. Okay, now look at this. Uh, where did I tell you? Uh, Genesis chapter 17, look at verse 6 and 7. He said, I will make thee, i got 11 minutes and 42 seconds, so listen quickly. And I will make thee exceedingly Fruitful, and I will make the nation of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Now, this is the word of the Lord. This was given to his father Abraham when he made covenant with Abraham. We know that the covenant we'll see here is an everlasting covenant. Look at this. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy what? Seed after thee. In their generations for a what? Ever, that means it don't go away. An everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy what? Would you put up there Galatians 3 again one more time so they can see it? Galatians 3, 13 and 14. Just, just hold your place. Unto thee and to thy what? Unto thy seed. Christ has redeemed us from what? The curse of the law being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, verse 14 please, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith, verse 29. Didn't see that a while ago. Would you put up verse 29? 29, 29, 29. 29 going once. Wake up back there. Come on, verse 29. Is anybody back there? And if ye are what? I can, read, I can quote them in my head, but I want you to see it. If you are Christ, then you are what? There you go. And what? Heirs according to the promise. So the promise was not only given to Abraham, but it was given to his seed. 
And if ye be Christ, leave it up there, if ye be Christ, then are you what? Abraham's seed. And the blessings of Abraham were not only for his immediate descendants, because this is a everlasting covenant, and you are now the seed of Abraham through being born again through Jesus Christ. Are you here? And so the blessing of the covenant is still rightfully yours today. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 7, <laughs> oh boy, I tell you, the devil don't like this. I said, the devil don't like it, but the devil is a liar. He's not going to stop us because I'm going to open your eyes. I tell you, if you can sit here long enough and not get mad and not... Listen, if there is a restless spirit going on in you right now, you just tell it to leave. Go sit in the car. You'll be there in a minute. But you're here to receive the Word of God right now. Amen. Because this is the revelation that you need in order to walk in the season of the supernatural. When you have revelation, you'll be a revolutionist. I told you, Jesus came to redeem. We came to reclaim. Now look. One little, well, a couple, verse 12. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, in Deuteronomy seven twelve. You can put that one back up there. There you go. It shall come to pass if you hearken to these judgments and keep them. Now, all Jacob had to do was go back to see where it was written. That's what Jesus did, right? It was written. It was written. So all, all, all Jacob, being a covenant man, being a seed of Abraham, all he had to do was go back and read the covenant. Because here's what the covenant says. If you hearken... To these judgments and keep and do them, and the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto thy fathers. How many know that once God swears an oath, he does not retract it? God is not a God that lies. Okay? He will love thee, say, He'll love me. Does God love you today? Sure does. He will bless thee. Has he blessed you? And He will multiply thee. And He will also bless the fruit of thy womb. Some of you are really blessed. And the fruit of thy land, thy corn, and thy wine, and thy oil, and the increase of thy kind, or the cattle, and the livestock that you have, if you have any, the flocks of thy sheep, and the land which He swear unto thy fathers to give thee, thou shalt be blessed above all people. Thou shalt not be male or female barren among you and among your cattle. Somebody was telling me they, they shipped a whole load of pregnant cattle. I think Carl was telling me a whole load of pregnant cattle from Galveston, Texas to Russia. Because their cattle can't get pregnant. Listen, there's something about operating in the covenant of God. Did you see that? If you're in the covenant of God, look, look, he said, the Lord will take away from thee all sickness. I just need to let you meditate on that a minute. 
The Lord will take away all sickness, and He will not put or allow any of these things that came on the Egyptians to come upon you. Did you see that? That is the covenant right that you have in God. You're going to have to receive that. How? By faith. How does faith come? It comes by hearing and hearing the Word of the Lord. My eyes become open to what belongs to me as I go back and I look at the covenant. Listen, had Jacob went back, he would have known the truth and the truth would have set him free because he could not be comforted by his own children and he said that I am going to mourn for Joseph until the day that I die. Now how long was he going to be sad and miserable and live in an evil day? Until he died. All he had to go back to do is look at the covenant See what God said, and he would have known that God said that these promises are not only to Abraham, but to his seed and his descendants as an everlasting covenant. Acts 6, well, no, listen. The answer to every mother that's sitting in this congregation this morning that has a wayward son or a daughter, you get back on this covenant. You get back on what God has said and the devil is not going to take your children. Your children are not going to leave this earth without salvation in your household. If you're barren, listen, that is an illegal act by the enemy because by covenant you are to be fruitful and you are to multiply. I tell you, you've got to tell the devil to get his hands off of you because you belong to God. You are God's covenant children and you have a covenant right in God that the blessing of Abraham shall come upon you. Now, in the book of Acts, quickly, no barren. This is why when Jesus healed he healed those that were walking in covenant now, now remember when that lady came to Jesus that had the issue of blood for those 18 years and he told her daughter be made whole now that wasn't Jesus daughter but he was a daughter of the covenant He was a daughter of Abraham. And by covenant right, she had the right to be whole. Are you listening to this? See, as long... And you go back and you look in the old covenant. As long as people stayed in covenant with God, nothing bad happened to them. They went into a battle like Jericho and not one casualty. Y'all read the same Bible I do? As long as they were walking in covenant, they were walking in the protection 
the hedge of God. The only time something bad happened to them is when they broke covenant, like not paying their tithe, and what happened? The hedge was broken, and a whole family was devoured. The only time you'll see something bad happening is when God's people broke away from covenant. That's why the Bible says that the tithe, not only is it holy, but what? It puts a protection. It keeps the hedge because he said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sake. You may go to heaven, just you'll get there earlier than you probably wanted to. Are you here? See, see, the devil don't like for me sharing this. There's a lot of people that don't like for me sharing. But if it's Bible, we better get it. We better get it in our understanding. Amen? Because this thing is not about denominations. I didn't learn this in my denomination. I didn't learn this in my Bible course. I didn't learn this in my, you know, Baptist uh, college. I, I'm telling you, I'm saying, we got to get back to seeing what the Word of God says. Amen? And start looking at it from the perspective of God, the God factor, putting God back into what we do. But we've got a nation now that celebrates and rejoices because they passed a law that two people can get married being the same sex. And now we have rejoicing and we have gladness and we have people applauding because our legislators are so naive to the things of God that they think that God will be mocked and they can defile the truth of God's Word. But they can't. I said they can't. And we ought not be sitting up there rejoicing with a bunch of legislatures and Congress people and people in states that think they can defile what God says and uh, we're going to operate in the blessing of God. Because you get away from the covenant, listen, you don't know what all can happen. Because the covenant is the safest place to be. Can somebody say amen? amen. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Well, we didn't get very far, did we? <laughs> but this is our time, folks. This is our time. This is the church's finest hour. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, there's people dropping like flies. I'm telling you, the casualties in the explosion can be great if they take the fragments of all the cluster bombs that the enemy's throwing. But I'm here to declare to you, greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. We must get back to walking in this place of the supernatural because it's our season. It didn't go away, Crystal. You won't find that, oh, not supposed to be. It's supposed to be the normalcy of the church. Hello, somebody. It's not supposed to be, oh, did you see what God did today? Oh, did you hear about what God did in Africa? Oh. Hey, I, there, there's a man in, right in the middle of Africa and all that poverty. He runs three services. Sister back there interceding. I was going to get to the scripture about intercession. She said, Pastor, I see a day when you're going to do two services. Well, listen, there's a man in Africa that's doing three services, 55,000, because that's all his tent will hold in each service. Now, I'm talking to you about there's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of souls at stake. And next time I'll talk to you about meditating 
on the Word of God because you can read these things and it don't necessarily change you. But when you meditate, it begins to transform your thinking. Because a lot of you are thinking denominationalism. A lot of you thinking, well, I didn't learn that back in my Sunday school quarterlies. Well, your Sunday school quarterlies were not anointed. They were written and inspired by a man. And we're not putting anybody down. I'm saying it is the inspired Word of God that as we meditate on it day and night, and lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways acknowledge Him. And what He said, He'll direct our paths. And to trust in anything other than God, the Bible says that that man is cursed. You not only have to have God as your source, but He has to be your only source. Because as long as there's something else, that's what you'll revert back to when push comes to shove. When your back is slammed up against the wall between a rock and a hard place. If your trust is not in God, and God only, you'll trust in man. If you trust in man, you'll get back under the curse. Now, is that alright? I'm out of time. I want you to stand up. You've been sitting with me for a while. We're going to take and receive the communion. Now bow your heads with me just a moment as we give opportunity if there's somebody in this place today.